Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here are your co-hosts, Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. And we're back. It's here. The college football playoff has been announced. Doug Maurice and Shahan Jeharaja. Shahan, we're recording about 10 or 15 minutes after the official selection on Sunday afternoon. And we want to keep this raw. That's how we do it. The, the unvarnished, right? I mean, we don't, we're not here because we're professionals. We're here because of our passion. But you said the one thing you said, the only conversation you had, you and I had before we started recording on this Sunday afternoon is you said they got it right. This playoff, Georgia one, Michigan two, two CU three, Ohio State four. How certain are you that they got it right? And how worried were you that they wouldn't? <laughs> well, you guys heard me on on last week's show, right? You guys heard Zombie Shahan. Every single time that Ohio State has had an opportunity to get better than they deserve, they've gotten it. And every time that TCU has had an opportunity to get worse than they deserved, they've gotten it. And so not only did I think that they picked the right four teams, because I do think that these are the right four teams, they're the only one loss uh, teams in America right now, I think overall. And, um, and and so I think that makes it a very easy decision. Obviously, Alabama and Ohio State did not make conference championship games. They only had 12 data points. The other three teams had 13, even though they lost games. And, uh, and so for me, once USC lost that game, I felt like TCU was all but locked into that number three spot. And for them to come out and for that, the graphic to flip and and TCU be in what I think was the right position and Ohio State, I think, to be in the right position. And obviously, Georgia and Michigan, I think, being in the right position. Uh, I, I think it feels good. You know, for all of the hate that they get, for all of the comments, I do think that the committee has more often than not gotten it right at the end. Their, their path to get there has sometimes been bizarre. Uh, look at TCU starting at number seven as an undefeated team earlier this year. But once the the final graphic went up, I, I think they found out the right four. And, and I'm excited for what should be a really good playoff. So I can remember in 2017, uh, Ohio State let media members into the team room on that day because we were anticipating interviews soon after the selection. And I thought Ohio State was going to make it in 2017. and. As the Big Ten champ, a two-loss Big Ten champ, it was Ohio State versus a, an, an Alabama team that had been number one pretty much all year and had lost Auburn in the final regular season game and did not make the SEC title game. And I can remember watching that come up and flip right on that day and feeling the surprise. I was surprised that they went that way, right? So you have that moment in you, and it's not because I cover Ohio State. It's because I'm, I know that the committee can surprise me. So there, there's two things here. We're going to get back to TCU. We're going to get back to TCU because we need to make sure we we give TCU the credit. TCU is in the playoff. Yes. TCU, like there is so much full circle stuff here that is happening. One is I, I think there's some full full circle stuff that I have often, 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 often talked about. The last time there was a gigantic, well, 2016 Ohio State-Michigan was big, but the biggest Ohio State-Michigan game ever, 2006, one versus two. The Big Ten is on top. Ohio State wins that game. They're both very competitive. Ohio State goes and loses to an SEC team in the national championship game and thus begins the rise of the SEC and the fading of the Big Ten. I feel like this is circling back a little bit. For the Big Ten to get two teams in is a really big deal. So I think there's a little bit full circle of 2006, which we can talk about for the next month. The idea that the very first playoff was TCU being the three seed in the penultimate rankings and then winning 
its last game in the regular season because and then not making it, we are now back full circle that this is TCU, Shahan. This could be Texas Tech. This could be Oklahoma State. This could be Kansas State. The like sort of like underdog Big 12 team, right? That fights and fights, fights all year. Fights, 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 fights. That's great. But that it's TCU is better, is better, is better. But but we got to say that we got to save the full circle because we have to talk about the Nick Saban media parade of like Nick Saban is like, hey, it's, it's like Nick Saban. He comes he comes out. Right. He's like ready to roll in two situations. One is Aflac commercial. You got a duck. You want me to talk to a duck for money? Let's do it. I will do anything. You want me to ride the duck? You want me to wear the duck as a hat? And that's fine. I would do anything for a commercial too if they gave me money. Aflac commercial, Nick Saban. You can get Nick Saban to do anything in an Aflac commercial. If Nick Saban was like, hey, duck, you said that I should dress up as a clown. And the duck's like, bah, bah, bah. and then it'd be like, oh, Nick Saban's wearing a clown suit for Aflac money. That's fine. I don't have anything wrong. There's no... You would do it. Would you do anything for Aflac money? Aflac, throw some Aflac money at Shahan. He'll do literally anything, just like the greatest college football coach of all time will do literally anything. Would you do anything for Aflac money? <laughs> I mean, look, if, you, if if they're paying Nick Saban an amount of money to where he pretends that he and Deion Sanders don't have beef, like they must be throwing some money around. Nick Saban is signed to a $100 million contract. So, so yeah, I, I probably would do pretty much anything for Aflac money. It always, it blows my mind when really super rich people do commercials, when like George Clooney does, there's like a coffee commercial. I'm like, what is the coffee commercial money that they're throwing at you? You're George Clooney. You live on, you, you own a lake in Italy. You need the coffee commercial money. So that's one time <laughs> that Nick Saban will, the Aflac commercial will do anything. And the other thing is, I don't think my team's going to make the playoff, but I want them to. Can I? We could have had him on. If we had had a show on Saturday night, Shahan, I think we could have had Nick Saban on the College Football Survivor Show because he'll talk to anybody. But this debate, the, I'm going to put it in air quotes. This is the air quotiest air quotes you ever air quoted in your life. The air quotes debate about Alabama making the playoff this year. I think existed only in the PR campaign of Nick Saban and anybody who was willing to give him the opportunity to present that PR campaign. I don't think it was ever a real thing, but it made for some politicking and some, you know, reasonably decent TV at halftime of games on Saturday. How real did you ever think Alabama getting in was? I, I never thought it was real, right? I never thought that it was a real consideration because. Even when you watched Nick Saban go on television, and I talked about this on Twitter a little bit, his case was so bad. I, I, that's the thing that got me about it. It wasn't like it wasn't looking at numbers. It wasn't looking at stats. It wasn't trying to, like, give some further context about what this team is and what this team faced or any of that kind of stuff. It was like literally what Twitter bots tweet at me all day right that like well alabama would be favored and, and by twitter bots i mean of course ari wasserman but uh but i think that like <laughs> it's the worst case because he basically went on tv and was like well we'd be vegas favorites well hey hey nick saban you played five games against teams with a winning record in the power five and you went one and four against the spread and were outscored by 49 points against the spread so like Maybe Vegas just likes taking our money because we think that Alabama is probably good, right? Like, it's a bad way. Like, we talk about Vegas like there's some impartial arbiter of 
program quality when no they're they're setting lines that are made to take as much money as possible i i just it's a ridiculous way to look at the sport and also by the way again alabama's best win was a one point miracle win against texas by one point and that was their best win that was their best win of the entire year they played two teams ranked in the top 15 and lost both of them so like the case was never there and the fact that for Nick Saban, I mean, look, I, I get it. You know, you're Alabama. You want to make your case. But like, it feels like a situation where Alabama just kind of should just hold the cell and move on with their day. Right. Like in 20 in 2019, they never tried to make the case that like, oh, well, you know, even though we lost to LSU, who, by the way, is maybe the greatest team of all time, that actually means that we should be in anyway because we lost to LSU. And that's not that bad. Right. It, like they never did that. They were just like, all right, look, it, it didn't happen this year. We're going to move on with our day and prepare for next year and be even better. And it blows my mind that that was not a consideration for the greatest coach of all time, but just look at next year and try to be a better football team. Well, I do think I'd never have a problem with anybody making the case for their own situation, because if you're not going to look out for number one, nobody else is going to either. So he has 105 guys on that team who have been sacrificing, sacrificing their brains and bodies for months. And he wants the best possible outcome for them. But it's like spin room stuff after a debate, like a political debate. It's spin room. And so the thing that I don't like is you got to go into the spin room, like understanding that it's the spin room. And so some of the stuff, and I get it, it's all a TV show, but like presenting it, anybody who, who took in the thing, anybody in our, and fans can be fans. Fans can be fans. There are some fans. It's not, we're not going to act like Alabama fans are the only, can be the only jackhole fans in the world. There's Every fan base has individuals who are capable of being jackals. But the Alabama jackals came out on Saturday night on Twitter and were jackholing all over the place. And again, that is not a broad brush of, of the you know any large swath of Alabama fans. We understand that. But if you took in what was politicking, which is fine, but if you as an unbiased arbiter of college football took in the politicking and went, eh, I don't know. I think he has a case. Hang it up, man. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, that's the thing that I like. Yeah. What? Like, what? Like, what world are you living in? Because if in that world, then it's like, well, let's just reserve a spot in the playoff for the team with the highest recruiting ranking. Let's just reserve that spot. Like, what? Like, what are we doing? It's not. And even the idea, and they they started, you know. And I do think there are things when. Reese Davis on the ESPN show is tasked with being the first media member to interrogate Boo Corrigan each week before they have a conference call for the rest of the media because ESPN pays for that right. And I do think Reese Davis does a good job of interrogating him, considering it's like we're paying. He does not softball it and he comes at it from every angle. And he often asks questions that I completely disagree with the premise of the question, but I always say, you don't just ask questions you believe in. You ask every possible question to poke and prod and get an answer out of a guy. So even Reese was saying like, well, why is TCU ahead of Ohio State? If if they were going to play each other, Ohio State would be favored, right? Wouldn't they be favored by Vegas in a head-to-head matchup? Doesn't that mean Ohio State should be number three? And Boo Corrigan was like, "What what are you talking about? Like, that doesn't matter, which is good for Reese for asking. But also Boo Corrigan, all this Vegas stuff, 
Boo Corrigan as the face of the committee was kind of like, what? Like what? He did what we're doing right now to their credit, which is I don't care about Vegas. <laughs> which, by the way, I, I loved that uh, that Reese asked that question because remember, I was in the the mock selection committee this year and I was there with Boo Corrigan, who is a very nice man who I kind of realized at the time probably is not going to have a very fun time public speaking on television <laughs> because he's just not necessarily got the temperament for it. Uh, but again, very nice man, very thoughtful man. This is, you know, but uh Ari Wasserman basically asked this question in the committee room and Boo Corrigan looked at him like he had two heads. Like he, he, he basically looked at him like, no, we're not looking at Vegas odds to figure out whether we should put a team into the college football playoff. We're watching football games and seeing what happens during the football games because that's what you do in sports. Like I, I am a huge proponent of analytics. I think they can tell you a whole lot. I, I like these advanced rating systems. I think that uh, that they're valuable. I think that they're a valuable tool to, to help figure this stuff out, right? I mean, in college basketball, we've kind of reached a point where Ken Palm is like part of the, the, the way that you look at college basketball. But like what it doesn't do is say, well, you know, uh, like maybe, maybe, you know, Whoever won the title, I can't even remember who won the basketball title last year, but somebody won the title. And, but, you know, like when you really look at it, Gonzaga was number one in Ken Palm. So, like, I think that this was a mistake to let somebody else win the title. You know, nobody would do that in any other sport. This is, it's kind of ridiculous that we've reached a point where predictive metrics are supposed to be like definitive metrics that they're supposed to say, this is what these teams are. When again, we, we had this conversation a little bit before Ohio state rates at the top or second in the country in, in all these metrics and would be big favorites against Michigan. And also they played Michigan at their own house and got curb stomped. So like at some point that has to matter that they actually played the football game. And, uh, and I'm glad that the people in the committee room seem to agree with that logic. There is a really good Twitter account called BCS Know How, and I think they have a website at bcsknowhow.com where they simulate they, all the rankings that were part of the BCS back in the day when there were six computer rankings that were, they accounted for one third of the BCS. The coaches poll accounted for one third of the BCS, and then the AP didn't want to be part of it, so they came up with this Harris poll that was kind of like the AP poll, which was outside media people, and that was one third of the BCS. So the Harris poll doesn't exist anymore, but they just take the AP. And so all the all the data is still there to do the BCS stuff, right? And so they do this every year, and they have made the point, and it happened again this year. Every year of the playoff, the four teams that the BCS would have picked – are the four teams that the playoff committee picked. But I do think like this is a situation, right? And so to, to BCS Know How, if you go to that Twitter account, they said there's one computer model that is not out yet, but they said that's only like 6% of the input. So they they feel pretty good about this. The, the BCS order would have been Georgia 1, Michigan 2, Ohio State 3, TCU 4. So there's a different, right, 3, 4, but an Alabama 5, which is where Alabama was. This would have been one of those scenarios, Shahan, where part of the problem with that BCS formula is that nobody was inside the computer formulas. You didn't know exactly necessarily what the what was going into the algorithms. And the one thing that people brought up is you did not know if somebody made an input error. So somebody could have – it was like it's just a person who started off doing it for fun and then was good at it. But I don't – nobody's ever paying them. 
And it's like, oh, you know, my teenager helped me input something and they put TCU instead of putting TCU three, they put TCU one oh three and nobody double checked it. And TCU, you know what I mean? Like that. So we had to get away from that. But that is why I think you need humans. It would have made me nervous, Shahan, if we were in a BCS world. If we were in a computer and voters who don't talk to each other world where Bama would have gotten in, like just like raw data, that raw data, there's enough lingering stuff from preseason. If somehow there's a right, there's a strength of something which might not be much more than strength of reputation. Right. There's an SOR that's like strength of record. Maybe there should be a SO rep strength of reputation. That should not matter. But I think can leak in. In a world where there weren't 13 people talking to each other, I would have been more worried, Shahan, about Alabama sneaking in with two losses as a non-champ ahead of TCU or Ohio State on this Sunday. So in the end, we're nine for nine on the BCS and the committee would arrive at the same thing. But I'm very happy it was people talking because they could all sit there. And as every, I think most people know by now, on selection weekend, they they come early and they watch all the conference championship games together. And then they talk, then they watch, then they talk, then they watch, then they talk, then they talk, then they talk, then they decide. So guess what they watch together? They watch Nick Saban politicking together. And they could like look at each other and be like, ah, oh, yeah, this guy. Oh, we love this guy. Oh, you ever see those duck commercials? He's so good in those. But we're not <laughs> listening to him here. But I do think we needed people here because I would have had a knot in my stomach of – is there a backdoor way for Bama because the numbers would reflect that? And there's another point I want to make, but I was happy. I'm pro people generally, people versus robots, people versus algorithms. And, and listen, honestly, I don't like people that much. I'm just that anti robots. So this was a good people day. Even though we got to the same place, I'm glad it was those 13 people. Yeah, I, I watched, uh, I know it took me a while, I watched The Matrix this past summer for the first time, and now I, uh, I, I will say, it, it did make me laugh a little bit that at the end, they're just kind of like, all right, uh, you know, we made like some giant philosophical case, let's just like give Keanu Reeves guns now, and that's just how the movie ends, like that That made me chuckle a little bit. I still haven't <laughs> seen it, now you ruined it for oh, me, I still haven't oh, seen really? it. You haven't seen The Matrix? Don't they wear long coats and sunglasses? That's part of it, right? <laughs> it, it is part of it. It is part of it. But I anyway, do like the, Lawrence Fishburne. I like Lawrence Fishburne. I'm not huge on Keanu. Yeah. All right. I'll watch it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You should watch it. You should watch it. I, I just assumed. I mean, you would have been like up and, and active during that period. Like I, I had to go back because I was like a kid then, you know, but uh, okay. Okay. That's interesting. Um, But anyway, point is, uh, yeah, when we trusted the robots, it didn't go so hot. And I I think that I I think that ultimately I there are things that I will never fully love about this process. Right. I I think that part of it is just ultimately the people in the room and trying to pick the right collection of people to be in that room. But in terms of the actual process of deciding, I mean, I mean, this is how I think it should work. Right. You have people who have been around football, you have people who watch games, you have people who have access to data, but no one of those factors takes precedence over the other. 
all of them are taken under consideration. I think it, that's how it should be. I, I have uh, data people who I respect a lot who say no data should be an even bigger part of this process. And, and I understand their perspective. And I have other people who say, well, look, I saw that player run fast and this guy block hard and therefore we should ignore what happened on the football field. And I don't agree with that either. Right. So I, I think the fact that we've reached sort of a happy medium between all those things is ultimately a good place to be at. Now, I will say, too. I'm excited for a level of objectivity of, hey, you won your conference. That matters. I think that the taking that and throwing it into the process is only going to make everything better from a selection criteria perspective. But um, but, you know, I, I think, again, you know, I there, there's always going to be a little part of me that's zombified because of 2014. But I do think that uh, that we have seen this process continue to get better and more transparent and more understandable as now we go through what this is the ninth version right of of the playoff and and you know i I think generally speaking out of the 36 teams that they've chosen for this more than 30 i've been i've had zero issue with right and then there's maybe a couple at the end that you can you can quibble with but that's a pretty good place to be (laughs) versus you know how how bad this potentially could have been so this is your job. This is your zombie shot, right? Don't they do? I don't watch The Walking Dead either, but isn't there a shot to unzombie even. somebody? There's probably a shot, really? right? Oh, that's crazy. Just a shot. Like, oh, this guy's a zombie. Hey, this guy's a zombie. It's like, oh, get the zombie shot. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm sure the scientists are working on an anti-zombie shot. Is it like a gunshot or is it like a, a vaccine shot or is it like a, a drink shot? Oh, no, no. That'd be better if it was a drink shot. Oh, no, no. My daughter hates shots. So we better now I'm going to say, oh, I wish my daughter, instead of taking shots, could just take a shot. <laughs> like, hey, 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 15 year old, I know you don't like needles. Here's a shot glass. Drink this. See, when you said that, I was like, wait, your daughter hates shots. I don't think she's 21. Is it? What are you, do you just no, take shots? I'm a at terrible home? parent. <laughs> I'm a terrible parent. No, I'm not. I'm not feeding alcohol to my teenagers. Uh, they don't like needles, though. OK, so here's let's finish this. Let's finish this because number five matters. Number five matters. Number five matters. Alabama's number five. Alabama, in the end, had opportunities in its hands to not be number five. And the idea, I do think that I thought the Tennessee loss, right, that version of Tennessee at Tennessee, the way that game went, that's a good loss. The team that LSU is, I, I don't know that there's any version of losing to LSU, no matter how close it is, that you could say, it's like, LSU, man, they lost to Texas A&M. And then it was like, I don't know, like, they hung around with Georgia a tiny bit. But, like, that is not a, a good team. Like, they're fine. They're better than they thought we, we thought they were at the beginning of the year. In the end, as we finish Alabama before we move on, is anybody at Bama really going to be mad? Or is even Saban like taking off his jacket and be like, well, I did everything I could. I knew it wasn't going to work, but I had to try. Oh, well, let's go play in the Sugar Bowl. Like that, nobody at Bama can actually, as a two-loss non-champ, you love your team and you should love your team. But as soon as you step back from the moment and it's over, you get it, don't you? Is there, what is the, is there any lingering they got it wrong, we feel this was unjust case that Bama fans can hang on to? Yeah, I, I think that there will be people in that room who say, but we would beat TCU. And obviously that's not really based on anything other than assuming what TCU is and what you are, right? Like it's it's probably not actually valid, but 
you know, there will be people who will say that, but I don't think there's anybody who can look at the process and look at how teams are selected for the college football playoff and say, based on the criteria they set forth, it would make more sense for us to be in the playoff than Ohio State or TCU. I don't think that anybody in the room can seriously believe that, even if they think that they are a better team or could win the national title or could beat Texas by two points. All right, quick break on the College Football Survivor Show. When we come back, avoiding an Ohio State-Michigan rematch, what we think of that. we got to give more credit to TCU when we think about this team. We have to talk about other teams that blew other opportunities to make Sunday much more interesting. And I do want to talk about a little bit of what a 12-team playoff would look like this year. We'll do it next after this. Don't miss the College Football Survivor Show bonus episode this week. Available only on Apple Podcasts. I actually thought there's more upside with less baggage to Lane Kiffin because I do think right. there's a cap on Hugh Freeze. I don't know that we've seen the best of Lane Kiffin. Lane Kiffin's like a child star. He's sure. like Corey Feldman, right? It's like we've seen him grow up as a coach in front of our eyes the whole time. And then it's like, he kind of fell off the scene. And then he was like, had this guest arc on an ABC sitcom for like six episodes. And you're like, I don't know. Is this guy a pretty good actor now? You know, he was in like a, got a supporting role in an indie film and got a surprise Oscar nomination. And so then it's like, I don't know. Should we hire him to be in a Marvel movie now? And some people are like, ah, it's Lane Kiffin. Remember when he was that obnoxious guy in the baseball movie when he was 13? It's like, yeah, I don't know. But isn't he kind of a good actor? I feel like that's where we are with Lane Kiffin. And, and then he had like a goofy week on Twitter. I think he's like a better football hire for Auburn than Hugh Freeze is. So I don't know what's going to be next with Lane Kiffin, but I hope he's in a movie. I, I love that the first child star you thought of was Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman's <laughs> like, like 65 now. I know. I'm sorry. He, he's 51. I had to be reminded who Corey Feldman was because this might be a shocker. <laughs> I, I do not remember him as a child star since I was born in 1994. <laughs> Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts for exclusive College Survivor Show bonus episodes. All right, Doug and Shahan back. TCU, and let's let's go back to the Horned Frogs here because this is a remarkable story. And, and we're probably not going to give a lot of attention to Georgia and, and Michigan right now because they're so good. Now I'm going to detour again. This is one point I want to make real quick. We have a four-team playoff. We have the – you could – I would almost be in favor of this. Like the playoff every year is every team – that meets a threshold that meets a deserves to be in the playoff threshold. Cause people use that word deserve and, but you're doing it in a world where you're setting the numbers first and then having a deserve argument and the context constantly changes every year. So the deserve argument of like, this team doesn't deserve to get in. It's like, well, who would you put in? There might not be four quote deserving teams this year. And the deserve argument is mostly made by middle-aged men about, 20-year-old football players and how disgusted they are. I can't believe I have to watch this team that doesn't deserve. It's like, just be quiet. I don't like your your opinion is tired and it's irrelevant and like have a more nuanced discussion of this. But Shahan, as long as we're in a world where the number of teams is set, you know what? Like the way TCU ended, right? This would have been a two-team year. If this was it and it's like, oh, what's the playoff? It's like it's Georgia versus Michigan in the national title game. Who would argue that? 
TCU, you had your chance. You lost your conference title game. Yes, right. You earned the right to lose that game, but so did Georgia and Michigan, and they won theirs. All right, Ohio State, you lost to Michigan. I don't know what to tell you. U.S. Like, this probably, there's a line. We're all drawing a line after two teams this year. You could go two. There are times when six teams deserve to get in, or five, and now you're leaving out a, quote, deserving team. Probably the line of, like, truly whatever deserving means might be cut off after TCU this year, right? I mean, Ohio State's hard, right? But you, but that's not how we do it. So like an amorphous, hey, the playoff is everybody who crosses this threshold. And whether that's a numerical algorithm of like everybody that's over 100 in the ratings, sometimes it's two. Now it's got to be at least two. If there's only one team that's over 100, there's no playoff. They're the national champ. Sorry, TV. I'm sure TV would be fine with that, right? <laughs> if there's if there's 11 teams, all right. Now this is buys. Here's a play-in game, whatever. If there's 17, if there's five, whatever it is. Now that's our deserving thing, but that's not what we do. I actually, I would love that because now you're not beholden to anybody else. You're beholden to you showing yourself with your schedule and the way you played against it. You've reached a threshold. That means you have a shot at a title. That, of course, would never happen. But that's like you have to have that context. And so I am the the this team doesn't deserve it, man. I don't know what to tell you. The rule is for and I get really tired of that word. And I wasn't this way. I, I admit I was one of those people once upon a time, but it's OK to evolve. I just it, it's I think it's an unnuanced view of things to to really hang your hat on that. Yeah. And I mean, I, I get it right. Like. Frankly, I think Michigan's really good. Heading into this playoff, I kind of think the national championship might be a one-team race. I kind of think that Georgia might just be a lot better than everybody else. But at the same time, this is why we play the games, right? Because now Georgia's going to have an opportunity to play against Michigan, and Michigan's going to have a chance to prove that they can win that game. Uh, You know, Ohio State is going to have a chance to prove that they can win that game. Honestly, I'm very excited for this TCU versus Michigan game. I think that this could actually be a really competitive game. A lot of people just think, oh, well, TCU's just like worse Ohio State, but like they're not. They just played one of the most physical teams in America yesterday in Kansas State, and they held up physically. That was not the issue, right? So like, I, I just think that we have these ideas of what teams are and 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 kind of have a finite view of it and, and have this idea that there's this objectivity to deserving versus non-deserving versus whatever else that the point isn't to find exactly the line for where the deserving teams are or exactly the line for where teams that can win the national championship are it's to find the four most deserving teams that we can get into the field and again like there have been years like you said this year if you had to i don't think anybody would lose their minds about it right because i think that there are two teams that won their conferences that are legitimate national titles contenders uh, but there are other years like 2014 where like you said you have six there's a year like 2017 where you have an undefeated ucf who doesn't even get a chance to play for a national title despite going 12 and 0 right so like i that's where i think that we're going to be in the best position heading forward is that i would rather and, and, and i'm curious your perspective on this i would rather let teams that aren't quote unquote national title deserving into the field, but make sure that we get the teams that are deserving into the field versus be in a position where we say, well, we want to make sure that every single team that gets any chance to play for a national title has to be deserving. Cause like that, that just seems like a ridiculous bar to me. 
No, I've and I've I once upon a time said things like I'd rather leave a good team out than let a bad team in. And I, I disagree with that now. I'm very, very much and I'm very, 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 very strong on the idea of you've got to be able to lose. You can't demand perfection, right? The idea that every year in the NFL, when the last undefeated team loses and the 72 Dolphins celebrate, and it's like, oh, that's of course, because like, of course, nobody would go undefeated in the NFL. And yet somehow that's the expectation for the amateurs, for the amateur teenagers. Like that's, well, if you're not, if you're not, hey, you lost once, what do you expect? Of course you don't deserve. So, I mean, we can, we, I do think there's a podcast for us in the off season of let's go through. And if we were having a quote deserving, and maybe we'll come up with a better word than that, a championship level threshold, what to us would have been the ideal number of teams to make it each year. Right. And we can each go through and have our own number. Okay. 2017, how many teams met that threshold? Ooh, nine. Wow. 2019, how many teams met that? Ooh, three. Interesting. Right. I think that's an off season pod for us. But let's talk about TCU because you're as qualified to talk about TCU as anybody in the country. Good quarterback who's in, who's in the Heisman race. Good quarterback. Number one receiver who's an NFL dude. Number one running back who I, Donovan Edwards is my goodness for Michigan. Oh boy. You can, I, I think I, at this point with the way Donovan Edwards has played the last two weeks while carrying the ball in his wrong hand. Again, I was saying this to my daughter. It's like, okay, you've had situations, right? People break their hand. You're right-handed. You break your right hand. Something happens. You have to learn to write left-handed so you can take notes in school. And I said, that's what Donovan Edwards had to do. Imagine you had to learn to write left-handed, but while you were writing, people kept Hitting your arm the whole time <laughs> and booing like, you <laughs> and boo like that. That guy had to learn to carry the ball left handed. And I'm at the point I'm like, I think maybe if Blake Corum had remained healthy, he would have won the Heisman. And I also think he might be the second best running back on his own team. Like this is one of these things again, like I think he might be the best player in college football and simultaneously the second best running back that Michigan has because Donovan Edwards, my Goodness, but Kendry Miller stacks up with any running back in the playoff, right? And then Sonny Dykes, great coaching job. I don't, I'm not going to pretend I'm as much as an expert on the TCU defense, but I think even the idea of, well, Ohio State would be favored over TCU. And it's like, why? Like what, like only based on recruiting ratings? How good, give us your TCU breakdown in this moment here. This TCU Michigan game, again, like I love it and it is not a slam dunk for Michigan, right? Right. Well, I, I think that we have to think back to that Ohio State game and how it happened and the way that Michigan took over that game. And a big part of it was coverage busts, right? So TCU secondary is a lot better than Ohio State's. They have a Thorpe Award finalist and Travis Hodges Tomlinson and actually their other corner, Josh Newton, is also very good. So I, I think that their corners are actually a strength of, of the team. Uh, the safeties are probably a little bit more, uh, you know, they're above average players, but they're not elite players, but their, their corners are very good. So I, I don't think that we're going to be in a situation where we see guys running 20 yards free against this TCU secondary. Now, again, people are going to remember uh, Deuce Vaughn going crazy uh, on that one big play against TCU. And like Deuce Vaughn's just really good, man. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. Like Deuce Vaughn's really good. And when he's in the open field, he's going to make a lot of people look silly. But um, but I do think on the back end, they're pretty good. The, the question's more going to be on the front end. They have a couple of, of big pieces. Uh, you know, I, I think that, um, I, I think that they need to show that they can be physical on the interior of the defensive line. That's going to be the big question mark, I think. Uh, not because they don't have the talent, but because they're playing Michigan, who has one of the best offensive lines in the entire country. 
And, uh, you know, linebacker, they're pretty good. They have a linebacker, Johnny Hodges, who didn't play yesterday. And I think that was a big part of also their struggles as well. So he he's actually a little bit more of a Big Ten style linebacker, a physical guy. He transferred from Navy, but not necessarily the fastest guy. But maybe that's a better thing, you know, to be big and physical over uh, over kind of a speed defense type player playing against a Michigan team. So I, I think they stack up pretty well. Uh, again, look, Michigan's really good and they're going to they're going to get their rushing yards. They just are right. I mean, regardless of of who's carrying the ball, their offensive line is going to give them a chance. And and also, you know, we saw J.J. McCarthy have some big plays. But but by the way, I also think that TCU can kind of do what Purdue did yesterday, but like better. Right. I mean, because. Purdue stuck around in that game. If they convert red zone trips into touchdowns instead of field goals, like they could have won that game. Michigan did not run away with that game whatsoever. This was, this was not a 2021 42 to three against Iowa. It was nothing like that. And, and, um, you know, I, I don't think that Michigan's just going to do what Georgia did to LSU, for example, right? I, uh, you know, and then offensively, I, I think a lot of people watch that game. They've got a top 10 NFL draft pick in Quentin Johnston at receiver who, who's been banged up and, and was pretty healthy yesterday, but I think will be fully healthy by the time that they play in a month. They've got a, a an all America caliber running back in Kendra Miller, like you said, who, uh, by the way, is one game away from tying Ladanian Tomlinson's record for most consecutive games with a rushing touchdown. So he finds a way to, to change games with his legs. He had the, uh, game changing 75 yard touchdown run against Texas that basically clinched the game for, for TCU. Uh, and obviously they've got a quarterback who, you know, look, Max Duggan is not a perfect football player. He is not Caleb Williams from a talent perspective. He's not CJ Stroud from a talent perspective, but he is a gamer. He is just one of those guys who knows where he needs to be, knows where the ball needs to be, knows how to make the right decision. And he is a really dangerous player with his legs. I would expect that to be a huge part of the game plan whenever TCU plays against Michigan to get him on the outside, to get the Michigan defense moving side to side. I, I don't think that TCU is just going to say, we're going to try to to run it up the middle and and cause issues, right? I, I think that TCU is going to try to attack Michigan's defense in a lot of different directions. And, and again, people will, will watch that game against Kansas Kansas State yesterday and say, well, TCU's offense had lulls. I mean, Kansas State is also really good defensively. They've got a potential first round defensive end in Felix and Adike Zoma. Uh, so, so, I mean, it, it, I would say that Michigan should be favored in this game. They, they have the much lower variant strategy to kind of just run over the top of TCU, but TCU can absolutely compete in this game. I think this is one of the better matchups that, uh, you know, obviously Oklahoma is the only other Big 12 team that has been in the college football playoff to this point. I, I think this is as favorable a matchup as the Big 12 has ever gotten heading into the playoff. Again, Michigan's a favorite, but, but TCU will have a chance. So the early lines are out. I'm going to make you guess them in a second. Don't look anything up. I do think a version of, I mean, when you look at Purdue, Michigan, Purdue actually outgained Michigan in that game, which is mis misleading, but it was 456 to 386 in yards. And again, Purdue was in it um, until Michigan put it away in the fourth quarter. They were in it. I do think when you look at Aiden O'Connell at quarterback, Devin Mockaby at running back and Charlie Jones at receiver for Purdue. And again, O'Connell did his thing. Uh, he threw for more than 300 yards. Mockaby was 17 carries for 71. And Charlie Jones, who's probably the second best receiver in the Big Ten this year, 13 receptions for 162. They really fed him. But Max Duggan, Kendry Miller, Quentin Johnston, I think is a next level up 
version of a top three compared to Purdue. And those three, those three offensive guys for Purdue helped Purdue stay in that game. So now this is a better version of that with a better defense, right? With a better depth of talent. And I just, and Michigan did not destroy that. So I do think that like, I don't know, I don't want to just, and they play differently. I understand that, but like Purdue is like, TCU is like turbocharged Purdue. I don't think it's a terrible analysis. And, and the real Purdue hung around for a little bit. So Let's quickly do a little bit Georgia-Ohio State analysis because obviously I'm around this Ohio State team. This is the matchup I think that a lot of people in the country wanted last year, that we're getting it now, is very interesting. And I do think it's one of those of Georgia, and you and I have like debated this and we've talked about this. We kind of were, oh, early in the year we did a pod about, oh, is Georgia better than last year? Then Georgia had a couple bumps and it's like, okay, are they better than last year? I don't, like their backfield, they replaced those guys. But I think last year's backfield is probably better. I think... Brock Bowers is one year older and Lad McConkey's a real dude, but you know, I think the receivers are maybe similar. I think the defense is whatever 10%, 15% of a step down from a from a defense that just shoved its whole defense into the NFL from a year ago. So I do think the the baseline analysis of Georgia in the end is probably not quite as good as last year's team. And Ohio State's better than last year's Ohio State because their defense got better. And C.J. Stroud's a year older. And even though they don't have Chris Olave and Garrett Wilson, you know, they're receivers. And we do not know, we do not know what's going to happen with Jackson Smith and Jigba. He has, he basically lost the whole season. But the idea of now you got three and a half weeks, like, can he be back? I don't know. My guess at the moment is the answer is not no. He's not going to play. I don't think it's that. I definitely think it's not a yes. And I think it's a maybe that, I don't know, pure speculation. Maybe it's a maybe that leans toward no, then closer to yes, but it's still a maybe. So that is a thing that we don't know about. Ohio State's run game will be healthier because they've had Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson who have battled injuries all year. They're not as serious at the Jackson Smith and Jigba injury, but they certainly worked themselves. Against Michigan, Mayan Williams was clearly limited. They tried to play, but he wasn't himself, and Travion Henderson couldn't play. They wound up playing a a guy that they brought as a linebacker to be the running back. So that will be better for Ohio State. And everybody's going to be a little bit healthier. But Ohio State, there's some things offensively where, hmm, you wonder. And then I do think, like, the internal part of it, Shahan, like, they didn't play their best against Michigan. Well, we always talk about this. We talk about angry Bama. Angry Bama was my thing in 2020, right? They they don't make the playoff for the first time in 2019. And all year, they're like, oh, ho, ho, ho. And you have an overdog, the ultimate overdog that you turn into an underdog. Guess what? When Bama got in in 17, after being number one all year, they lose. They don't know if they're going to get in. They get in. They win the national championship. Ohio State, they have the Virginia Tech loss in 2014. They're doubted all year. They get in. They win the national championship. These overdogs who get who actually have factual basis to be an underdog because they try to fake be underdogs all the time. But it's like Ohio State, it's like, oh yeah, you lost to Michigan. Everybody was like, well, that's it for your program. Set it on fire. You're out of the playoff. It's like, oh no, you're back. (sighs) Like motivational stuff matters. And they're going to have the motivational stuff where Georgia's like, hey, Georgia, you're awesome. Good luck trying to meet the status quo. What, like, you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not saying that that means Ohio State is going to beat Georgia, but I don't know. This is about the biggest, like, rising up back from the dead kind of thing. Who's the wrestler? My God, that wrestler's meme. Uh, the what? Undertaker. It's The Undertaker. Can we get another meme? That's, that's like the only one I know. I don't know any of the others. I know, like, John Cena, The Undertaker, uh, that's Hulk Hogan. I, I don't know. Like, Hulk Hogan. That, that's where Iron we're at. Sheik. I was really into the Iron Sheik. I can remember like Sergeant Slaughter. Oh, I was really into Sergeant Slaughter. Everybody was. And then like I got to know James Laurinaitis. 
obviously when he played at Ohio State and I've continued to to know James and he's a really good guy. And his dad obviously was a professional wrestler. And when James was a player, I did a story one time about him. I went to his family's house in Minnesota and hung out and he's like, oh, yeah, Sergeant Slaughter like used to come over for Thanksgiving. And I was like, what? Sergeant Slaughter (laughs) came over for Thanksgiving? Like what a what a life. Ah, Sergeant Slaughter. So anyway, that world of like you get you the, you're the back from the dead team that everybody thought was done. I mean, it's a thing. And then also you're talented. Overdogs as underdogs is like a real thing. So Ohio State's going to get to play that. And then again, Georgia's secondary I think is pretty darn good. There's some real dudes in that secondary, right? So Ohio State I do think is going to have to throw to win. I do think there are some similarities, some similarities maybe between Michigan and Georgia, but you take away all the stuff. Whatever, like, and even Ryan Day, the way he's been talking, has been talking a little bit of like, we were tight, we played tight, you know, that I think they, in the end, they did not. And I thought it when that game ended, that they didn't handle the intangibles of trying to get revenge on Michigan. I thought they did not handle it as well as you maybe thought they would. So now you've taken all those negative intangibles away and you've applied, you're applying only positive intangibles because you have an opportunity you never thought you were going to have. Meanwhile, George is trying to defend something and defendants harder than getting because there's just a different motivation there. Georgia's and Georgia's the best team in college football and might maybe Shahan is about to embark on a dynasty. That's we've talked about that right. This is might be early Saban what Kirby's doing right now. But interesting matchup and I think Ohio State has a chance, right? They definitely have a chance. Yeah, well, uh, I I'll say two things. You know, one uh do you know how many yards that uh that LSU threw for last uh, last night? Do you know how many yards they threw for? 96. 502 yards. Oh, my. That's a lot. Oh, they, they threw okay. for 502 yards and outgained George. Now, I will mention Georgia went up 35 to 7. So like the game, the game was kind of over in the first half. Right. Like, so I will say that. But 500 yards is 500 yards. And LSU ain't walking Marvin Harrison Jr. through the door. Right. Like Keishon Boutte is an NFL receiver. But you know, I think that he's been a little underwhelming. Uh, and so, I, like, I think that this Georgia team is still very good defensively. They haven't played very many teams that uh, that can both uh, that can both throw over the top of them and also like cause them enough issues defensively to to make things interesting. Right. Because I think you look at Tennessee and, and Tennessee, by the way, that was a 27 13 game. Like, yes, it was a blowout on the field. But like it was like one or two plays away from switching too, right? And and I will say Tennessee plays a one read predictable offensive system that relies on athletes to create space. That's not what Ohio State's going to come in with. They're going to come in with guys who can win one on one matchups consistently that can be schemed open as well. And, and so I, I think it's a little bit of a different situation than when you look at that situation like Tennessee. Tennessee, I mean, again, as somebody who who covered the old Baylor offense for several years, it just works differently than just having a bunch of good receivers who can run great routes, right? And so I, I think that the big question for this game is going to come down to whether Ohio State can run the ball at all. I know that that's been the thing all year, right? But But like, can they... Can they move the chains? Can they stay on schedule? Because I think that when you look on uh, at Georgia, and, and I'll, I'll toss into this, we just assume that Georgia is going to be Alabama, but Alabama is Alabama, right? Like they, there's one team in the history of college football that's ever been like that, and and I think that Georgia 
is a dominant team this year. I think they're going to win the national championship. I think that they'll beat both Ohio State and whoever wins uh, wins the next game to win the national title again. But like this is not just 2012 Bama, right? Like this, th- I think that we can't just assume that because we saw Bama do it for so long. And so Georgia is a team that dominates games by staying on schedule. They get up early. They, uh, you know, in this game, by the way, LSU drove all the way down the field and had a very makeable field goal that was blocked in return for a touchdown. And that set them behind schedule. And that was kind of the game right there. They, they Georgia went on and, and pulled away from there. So I, I think that's going to be the big question. Can Ohio State jump out early, get Georgia off schedule and also just find ways to control the ball physically? You know, can they can they compete with Georgia's front? Can uh, certainly, you know, I think that we'd hope that Travion Henderson is able to come back and add a little bit of a, a dynamic component in the run game. Obviously, he didn't play against Michigan. I think that would be a pretty significant addition. But this Georgia team, again, I think is the best in the country. But this is I'm trying to think oh, when is this is the worst "quote unquote" best team in the country since. Hmm. We're we're constantly on the we're constantly on the search for super teams now because the, the the world has done that to us. But you think about Georgia last year with a defense that's as good as we had seen, right? You think about Angry Bama in twenty twenty. What nine first round picks or that, whatever that Bama it was? team that is just stacked uh, in twenty twenty. Right. You think about obviously the LSU talent in twenty nineteen. I guess it's twenty eighteen with Clemson. Where you win a national championship with a true freshman quarterback, I guess, but but certainly we we're we're now on the search for super teams. But like, remember that defensive line too, right? Like that was four or three first round picks in the uh, on that defensive line, and like, yeah, I think that they're probably the closest. But I mean, that's that's where we're at, right? It's saying like, well, you know, maybe it's the worst since Trevor Lawrence, right? <laughs> like that's where we're at, and uh, you know, I I think even. You look back at some of the teams before that, right? Like, like the, the Alabama Georgia 2017 game would probably be the, the last, like, not complete, complete super team game. Uh, like, this is probably the quote unquote worst super team in four or five years. And that makes them, I think, beatable. They're the favorites. They're the favorites to win the title. They should be. But I mean, I, I would not look at what Georgia has done all season and say, they're obviously going to run through everybody else because this is the same Georgia team that needed a comeback against Missouri. This is the same Georgia team that kind of only put Tennessee away because Tennessee couldn't hit a big play. This was the same Georgia team that allowed LSU to throw for 500 yards which mu- with much worse players than really are playing in this playoff that uh, that played Kentucky to only 16-6 to that let Georgia Tech hang around at halftime, right? So this is the best team in the country but they are not infallible. And I think that that makes this one of the most intriguing playoffs in a while. When we come back, we'll talk about the betting lines for this game. We'll talk about the teams that are kicking themselves about not making the playoff. We'll do a little bit on the 12-teamer next. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. All right, I'll make you guess. I hope you haven't looked. What do you guess the line for Georgia Ohio State is? Who I'm going to guess something like Georgia minus four. So I've seen it at six and a half and I've seen it at seven. So my instinct on that game is Ohio State with the points. What's your instinct at first blush? I think that I would 
for sure take uh the points on seven i think that i think it's going to be about a seven point game so i think that's right about right so i would lean towards taking the points though what do you think the betting line is in the fiesta bowl for tcu michigan i'm sure it's huge i'm gonna guess like 11 nine and a half Nine and a half or so. So I'm inclined to take TCU in the points there at first blush yeah, as well. I think so too. So uh, those realities, we only have like another, you know, three weeks to get into all this stuff. And we, we certainly will. The idea that Boot Corrigan said they did not think about, did not discuss, it did not come up avoiding an Ohio State-Michigan rematch in a semifinal. It would have come up in my head if I was one of the 13 people. And like, I do think there's enough similarities to a year ago with Alabama-Georgia, but last year with Alabama-Georgia, and not wanting to have them face off again in a semifinal. Alabama beats Georgia. Like Alabama's got to be one because now you're out of undefeated teams. And then Georgia's not going to be four because Cincinnati was going to be four no matter what. So like you wound up with Georgia was three. Michigan was two. It didn't matter who two and three was. But I, there weren't a lot of mental gymnastics to avoid an Alabama-Georgia rematch in a semifinal last year because it was obvious. I think this is kind of obvious. I do think TCU should be ahead of Ohio State. But if I was in the room, I would have said, hey, by the way, everybody, unless you have an incredibly powerful, no doubt about it reason why Ohio State should be ahead of TCU, let's not have them play in a semifinal because like, duh. So the idea of like, oh, I'd like even on the ESPN show, they were like, they shouldn't think about that. It should only. Yes, of course you should think about it. Like, like live in the world. Right. I don't think that would have been the best thing. I don't think now if you get a national title game. OK, let's go. Big two Big Ten teams playing for the national title in Big Ten country. There's something that just feels natural about that. Right. It's a joke about L.A. being Big Ten country. But like the, like I, I think you should have thought about it. So in the end. Right. Did anybody do you think anybody wanted Ohio State, Michigan in a semifinal? I certainly did not. I, I don't think so. And. I do believe Boo Corrigan that one, it was either not brought up or two, if it was brought up, it was kind of shied away. I mean, sitting in that room uh, on the mock committee, like Bill Hancock and Boo Corrigan were perfectly happy to say, like, this is irrelevant. Don't don't talk about it, basically. And uh, like with when we talked about Vegas odds. And so I do think that this was not a true topic of conversation in the room, but everybody who's voting knows it's everybody who's voting knows hey by the way if i'm putting ohio state three and tcu four then it's a rematch that really doesn't need to happen for anyone's sake and doesn't even have an especially compelling reason to rematch right like like if georgia loses that game and and michigan is the one seed like then maybe it changes the calculus and and we can have that conversation about that that might be silly but at the same time, it's kind of human nature. It's kind of logical. It's kind of it's kind of just the right thing to do to unless there's a really compelling reason, like you said, to have these teams slotted exactly there. The seating doesn't matter all that much. Yeah, it's just I don't. Yeah, it's just jerseys. Unless you're like you're trying to avoid a game you don't want to play at this point. So um, this idea of who else could have been here. This was a topic on Saturday night when people saw the way Clemson played once DJ Uyunglele got benched and Cade Klubnick came in for Clemson and helped lead Clemson past North Carolina. Because Clemson had absorbed a second loss to South Carolina in the last game of the regular season, on the list, like there was a huge thing, right, of Ohio State fans thanking Kyle Whittingham. 
for beating USC and, and getting Ohio State in the playoff. I think Shane Beamer maybe should even be ahead of Kyle Whittingham because Shane Beamer in South Carolina he did it twice. took he did out it twice. Tennessee and Clemson. And if that wouldn't have happened, I think one loss Clemson as an ACC champ is ahead of Ohio State. And I think one loss Tennessee as a non-champ might be ahead of Ohio State. He took out two teams for Ohio State. But the idea that, that Dabo did not get to Cade Klubnik sooner a lot of people were saying, like, that cost them a playoff spot. And then I saw you making very interesting arguments, kind of pushing back against that idea. We talked about this from the jump. It's why I picked Clemson to make the playoff this year, because I thought the defense will be good. And I think they'll they'll have two options for quarterback to be better. Either DJ will be better or he won't be. And they'll go to Cade Klubnik. And they wound up right in the middle that DJ was better than last year, but he still wasn't good enough really for them to be the best of who they could be. And they didn't get to Cade Klubnik until it was too late. Did Dabo blow it? Did he blow it by not getting to a true freshman earlier in the year that would have allowed them? Maybe it doesn't beat Notre Dame, but then it maybe it beat South Carolina and Clemson's the number four seed right now. So, so a couple things. First of all, I think that Cade Klubnik beat South Carolina. I do. The second thing and I'm curious your thoughts on this. I don't think that Kate Klubnik makes any difference in the Notre Dame game. I think that that was a total curb stomping and that would have happened regardless. Would you agree with that? I think it's minimal, right? Maybe it's an, an extra touchdown, but I don't think it changes the fabric of how the game felt. I agree with that. Yeah. And so, so you're, you're, you're assuming a loss there. And so the point that I was making is, I think that when we think about the idea of inserting Klubnik and, and like maybe you insert Klubnik against Notre Dame and he figures it out and therefore he's like able to go and be good against South Carolina. But you would have had to play it perfectly in my mind for, for this to make sense, because I, I think people are forgetting the first half of the season because DJ struggled in some big moments uh, for Clemson down the stretch. Because DJ was really good early in the season. Uh, you know, the games that I pointed at, and I'm trying to find the stats, I, I pulled up the stats. Um, you know, DJ against, I think it was NC State, Wake Forest, uh, it was Louisville and Florida State. 10 touchdowns, no interceptions, completed 67% of his passes, and, uh, and rushed for, I think, four more touchdowns. Like, I'm just not assuming that... Cade Klubnik in his first starts of his career plays as well as DJ did in those games. He played really well in those games. He was a huge part of the reason that they won close games. And so I, I think that, yes, the South Carolina game flips if Cade Klubnik's a starter, but they do not sweep those four games in my mind if Cade Klubnik is the starter, because those are some really good. I, I mean, remember that Wake Forest game? Remember how good DJ was in that game in overtime? I think it went to three overtimes and was was 51 to 45. Like toe for toe with Sam Hartman. Yep. Right. It, Cade Klubnik blinks at some point and they lose that game. They he, they just do, right? Like it. that was one of the best quarterback battles of the entire season. Now, I, I also wasn't writing glowing pieces about DJ being all of a sudden a star now because he played well against Wake Forest's defense. But I, I just I think that we love to think of the idea of, well, in this one spot, things would have changed and not think about all these other spots might have changed, too. And For so the worse. Right. Right. And so if, if Dabo handles that situation, Trevor Lawrence perfectly, which he has done before, 
then maybe that happens. And maybe if the change happens at halftime of the South Carolina game or before the South Carolina game, then Clemson is able to thread a needle and make the playoff. But I think that we're assuming it as, oh, well, if Cade was starting, then Clemson would have simply gone 12 and 0. And I mean, Clemson did not beat most of its ACC competition convincingly. And so I, I just think that that's a silly way. This to was not that. a no doubt about it playoff team undone only by quarterback play. Right. And, and the, the wide receiver play is not good. They Their wide receivers might have fallen off more than their quarterbacks over the past couple of years. And I think that that's a huge part of their issues. And, and they're they're a really good defense, but they are not the killers that they were a couple of years ago either. I think I don't know that is a catastrophic failure, but there was an opportunity, I think, as you put it, to thread the needle that they didn't do. And so is there a world where Clemson makes the playoff? Yeah, there is. Is it like how how did they blow it? I don't I don't think it's how did they blow it. But Dabo, who, again, sometimes like we talk the, the ruthlessness discussion of when you make a difficult decision that's best for the team. And it's no more exemplified than what Nick Saban did at halftime of a national championship game and won his team a national title. Like that idea, if you would, I think the idea of you do it at halftime of South Carolina, right? And like EJJ, we love you, but like, it's just not it, man. This is a huge game. We got to do it. Like that maybe is the opportunity where you would have gotten the best of both worlds. The veteran guy kind of gets you through, you get the best of him. But like, as soon as it's not there, you don't give him the benefit of the doubt anymore and you go. And there's a ruthlessness to that. And I don't know, right? He was ruthless, right? He got to Trevor Lawrence pretty quick after Kelly Bryant had made them the number one seed in the playoff the year before. And then Kelly Bryant transferred like soon after. And so he has been at that times. It's a tough, tough decision. So in the end, I don't think it's that Dabo blew it, but he didn't maybe seize the opportunity that was there. Tennessee, just the idea like South Carolina blew them off the field and Hooker gets hurt. Just a worst of all possible worlds that opened the door for the Big Ten to get into. That's a tough one. And then obviously what happened with USC. And, and again, you can go back. There have been good points made. Um, John Wilner brought this up that like Washington – Lost to Ares, Arizona, Arizona State. That's the weirdest result of the season. I have no idea what happened. And if they the don't lose that game, then they are only a one-loss Pac-12 team. Right. That now, now, now it's USC versus Washington in a world where the winner is going to be a one-loss Pac-12 champ. And that team is going to be in regardless. So, like, you can go through and say there's probably – five or six things that happened for Ohio State, even before Ohio State knew that they needed the help that got them to this point where they have a chance to get in as a one-loss non-champ. But when you look around, they're the best option. They are. But there's about five or six other teams that with one more win would have been that best option. And then all the deserve gang, the the, the deserve gang would have been like riding into town. Hey, it's the deserve gang. They're making sure that everybody in the playoff actually deserves to be there. or They're going to have a rootin' tootin' shootout at the town square. Like the deserve gang would have been all fired up and happy because that team would have deserved it. But those teams fell by the wayside along the way, which got us to this point. And I I did find the stats. Uh, So in the four games, again, Wake Forest, NC State, Louisville, Florida State, four very good teams that beat a lot of good teams along the way. DJ completed 67% of his passes for 968 yards, rushed for 194 yards, had 14 total touchdowns with zero interceptions in four games. That That's really good. That's really, really, really good. And the idea that a freshman would have 
been able to do that no doubt about it i mean i i just don't i don't see that whatsoever so we are going to be having a heisman discussion on our apple podcast show this week as the apple show because right now i'm a heisman voter and i have no idea what i'm going to do i literally have no idea and i'm gonna go back and i'm not gonna have an idea until i reset myself because i have to reset because nothing happened as you expected nobody stepped up and said that's it I'm claiming it and it makes it easy. And so I'm going to have to reset and we're going to have that discussion. We do an extra show each week. It's a bonus episode for Apple Podcast subscribers, $2.99 a month, 75 cents an episode. You get those four episodes every month. All the way through this month of December, we're going to have the regular episode where we welcome all of you each week and we're so happy to have you. But if you want a little bit more, that's where you get out in the Apple Podcast episode. Subscribe to us on Apple. Pay that $2.99 a month. You get the extra show. 12-teamer, Shahan. I'm dumb, and I had not thought about this as much in the 12-team discussion, but the idea of all these underdog teams, and because we had not, I, I am going to have to go back and look. We have not had a rash of underdogs winning conference championship games in the playoff era, but the idea that Kansas State and Utah would be in the playoff right now that like they weren't going to get wildcard bids, but they would have won their way in. If you think right now what a 12 and again, the top four C's have to be conference champs. So not only would Kansas State be in Kansas State would get a buy. They'd be the three seed. This is what we'd be looking at right now. Pretty certainly right. Georgia one, Michigan two, Kansas State three, Clemson four as your top four seeds because they are conference champs. Then you'd be looking at 5-12, TCU, Tulane, 6-11, Ohio State, USC, 7-10, Alabama, Penn State, 8-9, Tennessee, Utah. That might adjust a little bit because we're doing this before they put out the final official top 25. That idea, right, it's good. It's great that Utah got a Rose Bowl berth and that Kansas State's going to get a a New Year's Six Bowl because they won those games. But, right, you're upsetting your way into now you have a shot to win the national championship because you beat TCU – in overtime and TCU, right? The idea that I think we're going to enter a world with a 12 team where their losses aren't as punitive, right? It's not like, well, you lost. Sorry. You ruined your whole season with one loss, but the wins can be even greater. The wins, I don't think lose anything. And I think the wins possibly gain something all along the way. South Carolina, right? South Carolina would still celebrate beating Tennessee and Clemson, even though Tennessee and Clemson still made the playoff. South Carolina wouldn't be like, oh, what was the point of eating beating those guys? They still made the playoff. We should have just lost to them. Who cares? Spencer Rattler's still smoking two cigars, baby. He's loving it. <laughs> but Clemson and Tennessee don't have to be like, oh my God, those games killed us and now we're done, Right. But this idea, Kansas State and Utah in the playoff, it makes me here for the 12-teamer even more because it would have been interesting. We're going to get some interesting first-round games if we had a 12-teamer this year. But also, Yahoo! Deuce Vaughn, Cam Rising, Dalton Kincaid. Let's get him in the playoff. Kate Klubnik now starting a playoff game. Let's go. I'm here for it. The funny thing about this, right, is that yesterday you're looking at TCU and TCU loses because they – fall literally an inch short on the goal line in overtime, right? Uh, Also, by the way, that game had no relevance for what was going to happen to them afterwards. Uh, So obviously, you know, that must mean that the players didn't care, right? Because nothing changed. Literally nothing changed about their situation because that game. Except for that Max Duggan was over there crying at the podium actively, like while he's trying to answer questions because guys want to win football games. I I just there's this idea that 
these guys who, who, by the way, spend every day of their life training for this moment, this game, for a chance to hold a trophy against your conference, that suddenly they won't care? Like, come on. Have you ever met an athlete? Have you ever seen a football team play? It's just completely inconsistent with the facts. Because like you said, ultimately, this game did not cost TCU anything except for the chance to win their conference in a 12-game playoff, a conference championship, a game that matters, a game that should matter, a game that every single season should start with thinking about, will have made the difference between Kansas State getting a bye and TCU having to play a much tougher path. And I think that we also have this idea that, well, the team's going to make the playoff anyway, so who cares? Uh, you know, So like, why would they care about how it happens? I mean, having to play an extra playoff game is a huge deal. Having to play, like, for example, I think that, uh, you know, there were some that, that I looked at that was like Alabama would have to first play like Kansas State or Utah or something like that in the first round. And then they'd have to, you know, it's like, like this Penn makes State. It, yeah, right. That sucks. I wouldn't want to play Penn State before having to even play the other teams that finished in the top four and also be worn down by that first game before getting to play any of the top four teams and then having to beat all of them basically on the way to a championship. That sounds really freaking hard. And, uh, and I think that we, we lose sight of that, right? And, and the idea that there's no stakes involved or that nobody's going to care just completely misses what college football is and why people want to play sports in the first place yeah the idea that like alabama's path getting it would be penn state then um potentially michigan in round two (laughs) then either kansas state or ohio state in round three and then georgia in the national title game and then be like all right well then people be like i can't believe bama got in it's like well i don't i mean did you see the teams they beat they probably kind of earned it right so i mean that's like in the end whatever whatever deserve means whatever deserve means to the middle-aged men of america who are angry about the 20-year-olds who didn't deserve this right when you get to the 12-team world the team that wins it is going to deserve it because you're going to, if you're going to have played three or four bangers and it's going to be a lot of fun. So, but I think in the end, but, but, but this four teamer is right is where we started. This four teamer is right. And, and by the way, I think that we are completely discounting an idea that I think is going to be great for college football and for the playoff, which is traditional powers that we thought were good losing games because Alabama this year, I think anybody who's not living in Tuscaloosa right at the second can acknowledge this Alabama team isn't all that great, right? Like they played Texas A&M within four points. They played Texas within one point. It's not the best version of Alabama. So what's better? The committee saying we don't think you're that good or Alabama playing a game that, by the way, they can't say, oh, we weren't trying. It didn't matter. Alabama going and losing to Kansas State and getting knocked out of the playoff, right? Like how crazy would that be and how much would that change the way that we think about college football right like ohio state right now they get in as the four seed they're gonna play number one georgia this year and like again we we had this conversation i think that ohio state can be competitive and maybe win that game but also there's a scenario where ohio state gets run off the field and how much would that change the way that we look at not just ohio state this year but ohio state in terms of well they have all those great players but does it matter if you don't do it right i I think that that changes things completely 
And there's also the opportunity for the Blue Bloods to do the opposite, which is all the times that people say, oh, my God, like six SEC teams would win the Big 12. If Bama like backs in, right, oh, this Bama team's not very good. And then Bama like rolls four top six teams on the way to the national title. It's like, oh, yeah, no, oh, they were right. Like, right. So that but but you get your chance. You get your chance either way to prove it on the field. So this is the second last year of the four team playoff. Little consternation. But in the end. This is right. I think this is right. And we have one more year of this, and then we're going to get to 12 teams. So we have a lot coming. We'll have this this Heisman conversation for Apple Podcast listeners. We're going to break down both semifinals. We'll make sure we make our picks before we get to this. We have a lot of fun stuff coming on the College Football Survivor Show. This is a playoff show, and the playoff is here. We appreciate you guys making it part of your week. Make sure you're reading Shahan at cbssports.com. But for now... For Shahan J. Hiraja, I'm Doug Lee Maurice, and that was the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.